The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. Um, about a month ago, six weeks ago, I did a show about the coronavirus um, with a couple of my uh, favorite conspiracy theory guys. I said coronavirus, conspiracy, or quarantine. Obviously, that show was uh, completely off base when you see what's been going on over the last... Uh, amazing how much the world has changed over the last week. But uh, I thought it would be uh, the right move to have on a, a pure medical professor, uh, professional an infectious disease expert. And that's what we have today with Dr. Alex Patel. And I just wanted to say, I want you guys to really listen to this show and really do what's best for society and for the human race. I mean, this is a pandemic. Stay home if they tell you to. Uh, don't take this lightly. At first, I got to admit, I kind of did take it lightly and I was completely wrong as everything gets canceled from uh, AEW shows to concert tours, the, the, the Rolling Stones just canceled uh, their tour uh, uh, in July. Uh, our Fozzie tour in April and May is in jeopardy. We'll probably be announcing uh, some uh, rescheduled dates very, very soon on that. So I just want to say, don't take it lightly. And whatever uh, you are told to do, just do it. We're going to get through this together. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson uh, have now been discharged from the hospital. They're over the worst of it. So uh, somebody famous like that gets it. Like I said, it, it could be a game changer and it shows that we will survive this, and we're going to do it together. So please enjoy the uh, medical advice and the expertise of Dr. Alex Patel right here on Talk is Jericho. So the world is in a state of uh, confusion and unrest right now as we uh, learn more uh, about the coronavirus each day, how to stop it, kind of watching it spread and all these other things. So I wanted to have an expert on and even spoke to my producer a few days ago. And then I saw that Dr. Alex Patel had just done a show with, uh, with Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer uh, show. So we contacted each other, and, and Dr. Alex is here now. First and foremost, what's your connection to, to Dave Meltzer and, and to the wrestling scene? Uh, so I'm a huge wrestling fan. Okay. Um, I've been a subscriber. I uh, was at All Out. I took my wife there, and oh, no the kidding. only person she... Yeah, the only person I was ringside. The only person she knew was Chris Jericho. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, David talked to me. You know, I, I had messaged him a little bit around the Roman Reigns situation at one point. So I kind of had his email. Uh, I reached out because this is something that's you know much more in my department than that even. And we got to talking a little bit. Well, it's like you said, it's so interesting. The wrestling community, um, it's once again kind of a small world type thing. But there's a lot of very influential and very you know, hire up smart people in all aspects and all different uh, ways that you don't even know. I, I just did a podcast last week with, with Paul Walter Hauser, who was the star of Richard Jewell, the Clint Eastwood movie. And 
he was on both the Jericho cruises. I had no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. I just did an interview randomly on a sports talk show in Miami, and Aaron Rodgers was on, and he was a huge Jericho fan. I had no idea. So when you get uh, you know a doctor such as yourself being a, a huge wrestling fan as well, it kind of kills the image that only wrestling fans are kind of the 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 hillbillies in in Tennessee with no teeth and overalls. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Especially up in Canada. There's a lot of people that That's are, true. you know, yeah. And you're fans. from Toronto, right? I am, yeah. Gotcha. So you mentioned this is even more, the coronavirus, even more your expertise. So what exactly is your is your field of expertise in medicine? So I'm a critical care physician, which means that I manage uh, people in the intensive care unit. Uh, I'm also an associate professor, and uh, we've been involved in sort of the COVID planning, both at a local level as well as sort of a pandemic level here. So kind of infectious diseases is kind of one of your wheelhouse uh, topics, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in intensive care, we deal mainly with people that are very sick and, you know, infectious disease itself is one of our leading causes. And COVID, uh, for people that get really sick, that is their ultimate destination. So, you know, I got first interested in infectious disease because I was a medical student when SARS happened. And Mm -hmm. back then, there was no intensive care as a specialty. And that's, you know it started to evolve out of SARS and that's what got me interested in it, And that's, you know, why I'm here and why this specialty exists. I remember SARS uh, more specifically in Toronto, cause that was probably 2002, 2003, Three. 2003. Yeah. Yeah. And there was the huge concert. Uh, I remember rush and the rolling stones and that was held somewhere in Toronto was SARS. Kind yeah. Of, Downsview park. Yep. Was it based in, in Toronto, the SARS or why was that concert taking place in Toronto for that disease? So SARS uh, affected Toronto particularly hard. It was not uh, based in Toronto. It did come uh, sort of out of Asia, similar to to this. Uh, But in Toronto, we had a large number of cases. And we had a secondary spread in the hospital where it really, uh, what we call nosocomial spread, where it was spread to healthcare workers and it caused a huge problem. And because of that, Toronto became sort of uh, one of the places where people uh, felt they had to do the most to help uh, because we were one of the more affected places. So after kind of going through that, you said SARS kind of led you into the position that you have. How early on did you hear about Corona and how early on did you realize this was going to become something very serious? So we probably heard about it around the same time most people did. Uh, The first case, I think, was uh, out December 31st. Uh, We started to realize that it was a, a problem more so when we heard about the spread primarily to Iran and Italy. So I would say definitely in the last, you know, two to three weeks, everyone here has been on heightened alert that we could start to see spread. And when we saw what was happening in Italy, it became ramped up to the point where literally every 24 to 48 hours, we're looking at increasing our capacity. I'm going to have a meeting tonight about doing the same thing. So there's been a more heightened sense in the last two weeks, for sure, as we've seen what's happened around the world. And as our caseload locally has increased, we've gone from about, you know, five to 10 cases a day this morning uh, in the Ontario area, there were 30. So, um, you know, Based on that trajectory of what we're seeing, uh, we really started to ramp up in the last couple of weeks. So what exactly is coronavirus and COVID-19, if you had to explain it? So coronavirus is a virus. Now, you know, for most people, the viruses they are most familiar with are influenza or the flu, the common cold, for instance. Uh, What coronavirus is is something called a beta coronavirus. It means we think it originates in zoonic organisms, in particular bats. And SARS is the one that it's most similar to. Uh, Another one was MERS. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, which was uh, slightly different, but uh, similar. Uh, SARS is, as I said, the closest cousin to this. There was also, you know, uh, the pandemic of the H1N1, if you remember that, of the flu. So it's one of the more aggressive ones, as opposed to seasonal influenza that we see quite commonly. 
And in this case, it is particularly aggressive in the way it spreads. We know that it spreads um, relative to SARS and MERS more aggressively, and uh, it means it infects more people. Um, it's not as deadly as those two, but it does infect more people, and that's why there's such a uproar about it and trying to get it under control. So COVID is not as deadly as SARS or MERS? Is that what you just said? Correct. So the mortality rate of MERS is about, uh, all comers is about 34%. SARS was anywhere from 10 to 20%. Oh, wow. Uh, the more t- yeah, those were, they, they were high. The mortality for this is closer to 2 to 5%. In Italy, it's higher. We're seeing levels as high as, you know, 8 to 9%. If you look at South Korea, you're seeing levels around 1%. So we don't know exactly what the number is, but uh, on the whole, it's certainly uh, less, it appears. It's so much worse because it spreads so much easier? Exactly. So, you know, we look at a number called the r naught, which is like, a measure of how infective something is. So the R naught is a measure of one person has it. How many people will they infect? So, uh, you know, if, if an R naught for influenza, for instance, about 1.3 to 1.6, which means one person will infect 1.3 to 1.6 people. For this virus, it, we know it's higher. It's somewhere in the order of uh, two to three at least, which means one person will infect two to three. So, you know, just looking at the numbers, it's about uh, twice as much as a regular influenza. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I even about a month ago had, you know, some some of my favorite conspiracy theorist guys talking about Corona. You know, it's, is this a conspiracy? Is it is it as bad as people say? And I think the, the initial reaction for most people is to be like, oh, come on, it's just overblown media hype. And now we can see that it's it's really, you know, worse than that. But I think one of the things that people are saying is like the flu kills way more people you know, uh, daily, but the difference is that the death rate is so much less with the flu. Correct. Yeah. So the death rate of the flu, you know, you can estimate all comers to be about, you know, under 1% or around that at most. This is certainly much more. Um, We know that the flu is going to affect more people in general. Like we know, even to this day, if you get the sniffles and and the cough uh, or in a bit of a headache, you probably are more likely to have the flu unless you traveled or had a direct link. Uh, That being said, when the denominator gets high enough for this and you start to infect more and more people, you're going to see more death. So what are the symptoms for, for Corona? So Corona, typically the most common symptom is a fever. Um, about half the people have a fever right away. And if you end up in hospital with this, uh, almost everyone develops a fever. After that, it's a cough. And after that, it's shortness of breath. And that's usually in the more severe cases. Uh, you can get other symptoms that we often associate, but they're less common. So uh, for instance, a headache is much more common in influenza. And a runny nose and sort of nasal congestion is more common in the common cold or RSV or one of these viruses. But it, there is a lot of overlap. The symptoms are similar often to uh, some of the other viruses. Now, is the coronavirus like that? That, that means because the cells or whatever have kind of a, a crown kind of a shape to it. So is the common cold a form of coronavirus? Is the flu a form of coronavirus? So the flu is a form of influenza, which is slightly different. And, you know, there are seasonal uh, coronaviruses. So the common cold can be a number of viruses. So there are some that are coronaviruses, but there are others that are different too, like RSV was one I mentioned. Influenza is more an influenza virus. And then uh, you see also uh, H1N1 was an influenza virus. And then uh, SARS is a uh, example of a coronavirus. So when you see, and I'm not sure exactly what it's like in Canada, it seems like Canada's the, the infection rate is, is less than it is, for example, in the States, obviously less people too. But do you agree, obviously, with, with now kind of the self-quarantine, uh, the, the social distancing? You know, Los Angeles and, and many other cities just announced they're closing down restaurants and all this sort of thing. Is this the way to fight uh, this type of disease? And what is the reason for that to explain to people who don't understand why they're doing all these things? 
Sure. So the main reason is something called flattening the curve, if you've heard that out there. And what that means is if you do nothing to prevent the spread of this, you will infect a large number of people in a very short amount of time. And if you do that, you will quickly overwhelm the medical system and in particular the ICUs where I work. Uh, and you will see a very much increase in the number of deaths. And we can see this when you look at, for instance, Korea, which has a very low death rate, has a high number of ICU beds uh, per capita. They have like 13 or something, which is way more than we have in Canada or the U.S. where we're around two to three. Uh, and in Italy, where it's infecting a large number of people very quickly, they have a much higher death rate. So the idea with social distancing and all of these measures is to infect a hopefully less people overall, but mainly the goal is to spread it out a bit. So people aren't getting sick all at once. They're getting sick sort of over an extended period of time and that the medical system has the capacity to care for these people. And so hence the, you know, the shutting down of, you know, NHL and NBA, like for example, this week on, on dynamite, we were going to be wrestling in an empty arena. You saw that on SmackDown on Friday, or it's going to be like that on Raw tonight. Um, and that's basically just to keep people away from each other to, to slow it down and flatten the curve. Exactly. So we know that the virus is spread through what we call droplet, which means that respiratory droplets or droplets from your mouth have to directly end up on another person uh, where they then touch those and they get into their mouth or you cough into their mouth or they end up on a surface and, and you touch that surface and you then touch your mouth or your, your eyes or something in your face. So that's how it's spread. So we know that if you have a lot of people in close contact, there's more risk of that happening. And we know typically, originally we were saying, you know, keep about a meter distance out of Italy. We're saying actually about two meters or six feet is, is sort of a good radius to have where you know that the risk of that is less. And obviously that's quite hard to do when you're an audience packed into an arena, when you're at school, when you're even in a, a tight workspace. So that's why we're recommending those social distancing measures to avoid the spread. And how do you test for it? Because I know we're talking about there's a lack of tests, there's a lack of of test kits, how do you know if you have it? So the definitive way is a nasal swab. So what they'll do is they'll swab your nose or they can swab your throat and they will send it off for uh, testing and see whether or not you have the virus based on sort of the uh, RNA or the PCR of the virus. The thing to keep in mind, though, is that those tests are being done now at a more ramped up. Um, in Toronto, though, we're, we're sort of prioritizing those for those that are really sick. And we're saying, you know, if you, you come home and you traveled and you are a bit sick, uh, just stay home. You don't necessarily need the test or you need to know because there's no specific treatment that we're going to offer people with mild disease for this. So it's not imperative that you know, but it's imperative that you don't go out and give it to anyone else. Uh, but in general, uh, for most people, it would be a swab. Um, you know, one swab is usually good enough, although we're starting to see some reports that you can get false negatives. So for hospitalized patients that we're really concerned, we're actually swabbing them twice. So, I mean, because you're seeing a lot of this stuff about people kind of a um, lot of the recovery rate, uh, you know, you're seeing like 65% of the people that have been infected have now recovered. Uh, is this just something that for most people, it's just like a really severe form of the flu that just if you treat it properly goes away? Yeah. So if you look at all comers, about 80% of people will be sent into self-isolation, which means they'll be told to go home and they don't need to be admitted to hospital. They don't need any specific treatment for this. Uh, about 15% will end up in hospital and will recover and about 5% will end up in the ICU. And out of that, we estimate about half will actually die. Um, when you have sort of high numbers, though, you have to understand that that can get pretty large. So even though most people will do just fine, when you infect a large number of people, you will still see people that will end up sick in the ICU and die from this. 
Well, and that's what I was saying originally when, you know, and, and I was stuck in the trap myself of like, okay, so 34 million people have gotten the flu in the same time frame and 20,000 have died. And no one's talking about that. And someone pointed out to me, yeah, dude, but listen, we've got a thousand cases at the time in the States and 30 people have died. That's a 3% death rate in comparison to, like you said, less than 1%. Now imagine if 34 million people get COVID at 3%, that's over a million people dying and that's that's the 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 main crux of this situation is that with the higher death rate if it infects like a flu you'd see a huge huge amount of people passing away from this exactly right so it has the capacity unlike the flu which you know most people don't get as sick for to not overwhelm the medical system and see high number of death this if it spreads far enough can certainly do that the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is it something that attacks your immune immune system so that other... Like if you get Corona, is it the pneumonia that you would get afterwards that would kill you or the actual coronavirus itself could kill you? So the coronavirus in when you get to the ICU level can cause uh, scarring of your lungs. Uh, the medical condition is called ARDS, which is sort of a, a scarring of your lungs. And that means eventually you'll die of what we call hypoxia often, which means that we can't get enough oxygen into you. We try to do things like uh, flip you around and ventilate you on your stomach. These are all kind of advanced ICU things. We can try uh, advanced uh, ECMO and things, but eventually a lot of people die because we just cannot get oxygen into them because their lungs get scarred. Some people will also die from multi-system organ failure. Uh, we talk. There's some literature around what they call a cytokine storm, which means a large degree of inflammation may occur and that may overwhelm a lot of organs. And when a lot of organs shut down, you can die from that as well so what type of demographic is this disease hitting because i know one of the it might even be a misconception but one of the things we hear is like oh if you're in your 70s that's most of the people dying are old people is this the case yeah so we know that uh the older you are especially above 80 or even above 60 you're going to see a higher uh, death rate we know for instance under the age of 10 no one has really died from this really uh we know that yeah Interesting. so yeah, so we know that in the younger populations, uh, you know, under 60, even under 40, there's low levels of death from this. Uh, now I'm, I'm going to stress it's not zero in those groups. So if you get high enough, you will see young people that are sick. But it's primarily a disease that's going to cause the most uh, morbidity in older people. Also, those with chronic diseases, we know. So in particular, diabetes, heart disease, uh, those with chronic lung disease and smoking uh, can be at higher risk as well. See, I have two children with type 1. One is 16 and one is 13. So does that put them at a higher risk? Are you talking about people that have type 1 in their 50s or 40s or 60s or something along those lines? Yeah, so most of the people they studied would obviously be the latter category, older people with diabetes. Gotcha. Uh, we know diabetes, though, can affect the immune system. So they would probably be at higher risk than you know the average 13-year-old. That being said, you know the average 13-year-old isn't at very high risk to begin with. And you know the risk from diabetes was uh, a little bit higher, about 13%. But as I said, most of those are going to be older people they studied. It's interesting speaking with you because and I was looking forward to this because being, you know, in the medical profession, when people are just watching the news and obviously the news exposes the facts on a worldwide basis, but there's also always a little bit of social commentary they're putting into their own. Are you fairly calm about this and because you understand the real implications behind it? What do you think of the media's coverage? Does that bother you at all? 
Uh, at times it can, although I think, you know, lately they've, they've done a good job of really stressing the importance of this. I mean, um, you know, sometimes I get stressed because somebody sent me an article about uh, two ER physicians that contracted this while they were screening right. people and, and are quite sick. And obviously, you know, that hits close to home for me and a lot of the people I work with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, just like everyone else gets stressed, so do we uh, from reading it. You know, I would advise people to try and get their information from the best sources. So, you know, if you can't reach out to a medical professional, uh, the CDC is a good option to use. John Hopkins has a nice map and things that they do where they can show you where all the cases are. And then your local municipality can keep you sort of up to date. Ontario.ca, for those that live here, will tell you about the new cases. And importantly, where the cases are. So are the cases more travel-related still, where you're seeing you know spread in that way? Or are they actually community-based, where now we think it's everywhere and we can't really be safe just by isolating from travelers alone? That's interesting, Alex, you just mentioned, because I read about the ICU guys, and this is very much like a first responder, like the true heroes of this are doctors such as yourself. So how do you protect yourself from this? So we use personal protective equipment. So what that means is we use, um, you know, gown, glove, mask. Uh, we used to use N95s, a very tight mask. We now know that the spread is more droplet as opposed to airborne, so we can get uh, use surgical masks. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the first responders, I, I'm in the IC where I see the sickest, but uh, to give you an example, um, we had a patient that we were testing uh, just uh, the other day, and the nurse, uh, whose name is Angel, I'm getting him a shout out if he's listening, right. um, we had to go give some medicine uh, to try and get the patient's heart rate up. He kind of looked at me and said, you know what, I'll go in and do it, and, and you hang out here, and I'll call you if I need you. So, you know, I think everybody tries to look out for each other as best we can. We try not to expose ourselves, but we protect ourselves as best we can. So. Uh, but there is that risk there. Uh, I'd advise you not to steal things from the hospital. I know some people are coming in and taking hand sanitizers and masks. Uh, we really need those things. Right. Uh, those are what protect us. So please, you know, uh, I know you think you pay our salaries from your taxes and all that, but we're not using these willy-nilly. We really need these to protect ourselves and to keep everyone else safe. So uh, please don't take them from the hospital. Well, that's what Dr. Britt Baker was saying. Obviously, you know her from, from AEW. Mm-hmm. She actually is, as you know, it's not just a joke. She is a dentist. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. was saying because so many people are buying these masks that it's harder for physicians and dentists and et cetera that actually need the masks to get them. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a real problem. I mean, even in our hospital, we got a memo today about, um, you know, people stealing them. So we're saying, you know, don't wear them, you know, even out and about, just try and limit your use. So uh, it can be a problem. In Italy, they were having a bit of a problem with it. So certainly if this goes on long enough and hits hard enough, uh, we're going to need every mask we can get. And do, does the mask even help? I mean, I was just in the airport yesterday. You know, because I still have to fly and all this other stuff, but there's some people wearing masks. Is that going to help you in this case or is it kind of just a moot point? I mean, it's it's not really something they've studied. To be honest, we don't wear just a mask. We wear much more than that, right? So you can get on your clothes. It can get on anything. As long as you're using good hand hygiene and not touching your face, you're probably okay in most cases. Uh, the mask itself is, is not going to suddenly be uh, the you know, the only barrier you can use right. to protect yourself. We use a lot more when we're uh, seeing patients that we suspect of that. It's so funny. Every time I touch my face, I'm like, oh, don't touch your face. Yeah, it's <laughs> hard. <laughs> your head, it's hard, right? <laughs> so when you're talking about some of the people that, that test positive and then they recover, uh, but it seems like some of them are getting sick from this twice. Uh, is it this type of disease that you can keep getting over and over again in a short period of time? So the short answer is we don't know. Um, For influenza, we know that it mutates, right, seasonally, and it comes back, and every year you got to get a new flu shot or something. Uh, For SARS, we knew that when July came, it went away and it never came back. And, Mm. you know, cross our fingers, we're hoping this is similar, although we don't know, but we know it's most similar to SARS. That being said, um, 
what you're seeing a lot is that people can get it initially because they often get symptoms around day four, but they often don't get really sick until day nine. So they can be sent home and then come back to hospital a few days later. That does happen. Mm. Uh, in terms of getting it again and again, um, you know, there's been a couple of cases, but in general, we're going to have to keep an eye on China because they're the ones who've cleared it so far the first to see if there are, you know, huge rates of reinfection. There was a, somebody posted a, a monkey trial the other day that came out where they uh, tested monkeys and they didn't seem to get it again. So maybe that's a bit reassuring, but again, uh, we won't know until we have a bit more time. So what you just said, Alex, is that SARS, because once again, you hear about SARS and go back to the, the mania surrounding it in 2003 and haven't heard about it since. So it basically went away as soon as the warm weather came. Well, I don't know if it's just the warm weather. It's sort of, we don't know exactly why it went away, but it, uh, you know, they did a good job isolating people, people that got it, got sick, uh, because it had a higher death rate, obviously, uh, once it infected people, more people died. So it wasn't spreading as quick because there weren't as many people around with it. And eventually uh, the peaks leveled off and it went away. So uh, for a combination of reasons that maybe we don't fully understand, including the warm weather, including just time and, and not having fresh cases out there, it did go away and, and it did not come back. So let's hope this is the same thing. Is there any way to test for that? I mean, can you get some Corona cells and you know put it underneath a ninety degree light bulb or something uh, to test? I mean, if it's come back, yeah, like to test like if it's a certain temp because the, the rumor you know you hear so many rumors that like at eighty six degrees. It does. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, they're studying it. There was a study at a Sunnybrook, actually, where they actually isolated the virus for the first time. Mm-hmm. So they just did that recently. Uh, they isolated the virus. Sunnybrook's a hospital in Toronto. So they're going to run those kind of tests, I'm sure, try and get vaccines, try and do all that stuff starting now. So they've finally been able to sort of isolate the actual virus to work on it. So What I just read today, right before I called you, this came up on AOL that said um, the coronavirus vaccine test opens as U.S. volunteer gets first shot. Did you hear about this? I did not hear specifically about that. No, um, that you know, I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I have heard more about the Sunnybrook thing and I do know that they've isolated and they're working on it, but you know, realistically, but until a virus is available, it's going to be, uh, sorry, until a vaccine is available, it's going to be quite some time. Uh, but you know, if they are working on it, that's encouraging. I would assume, you know, most people are. So it takes, it takes a while to create a, a vaccine though. It's not just something that you can create. Overnight. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, don't think we're going to get it next month. It's going to take a few months, could it possibly even take a year until they're able to, you know, you got to understand the testing this goes, so you can't just vaccinate people randomly and then have a bunch of side effects down the road. Right. Mm-hmm. So they got to make sure what they're doing is safe. And, you know, now that they've isolated it, they can certainly start working on it. And I'm sure they are. And hopefully we do get something in a little while, but uh, I would caution people not to expect it right away. It's interesting. Cause, um, as soon as, it, it, it's so crazy. I'm sure you can relate to this, how the world changed so fast from, I mean, Wednesday night we were in Denver, uh, not Denver, Salt Lake City did, did our show and we were still hoping that, okay, next week, if we could just get to Rochester and if we could just get to Newark the week after that, because we've built our storylines up completely to, to peak, you know, this Wednesday was supposed to be Rochester and mm-hmm. then next Wednesday in Newark. And now all that's gone out the window as well as all these other things that happened. It's so fast how it changed. Was that surprising to you as well? Well, we knew it was uh, coming. I think what really happened was that Rudy Gobert got in the NBA and that kind of was the first domino when he got in and then a teammate got it. And then, you know, the NBA was going to run empty arena, I think, in – at Golden State and then said, look, we got to kind of shut down because so many people may have been exposed. And then that led to a domino, right? The NHL stopped, right. a lot of public gatherings stopped, everything kind of stopped. Um, you know, I know you guys and, and WWE and UFC are not really having fans right now, sort of running empty arena. Empty uh, arena, yeah. So everything's kind of taken a hit after that. So I think what you really needed was a, a big thing to happen like that. And then suddenly 
a, a domino effect happened where everyone kind of followed suit. I mean, I think a lot of high profile people got it. Tom Hanks got it in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, our prime minister's wife got it. So when that starts to happen, uh, people take more notice, I think. Well, I was just going to bring that up. because I, I know that, you know, when I went out to the ring for my match, and came back. It's like, yeah, well, now that, you know, with the NBA and with Tom Hanks, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, in the course of this match that I had, this 20 minute <laughs> yeah. match, I came back and the NBA had suspended. And then Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson getting it. And that was before even uh, Trudeau, Trudeau's wife got it. And I'm like, it's almost like the, the, the fate of the world, of the free world, now lies in the hands of Tom Hanks. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny at first, but think about this. If he gets it, and it goes away fairly quickly and he doesn't have a lot of problems and a lot of issues, people will calm down, I think. If he gets sick and something bad happens, I think there's going to be even worse panic. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would agree if, you know, if high-profile cases, something bad happens to people, they're going to be a lot more scared. Um, I would caution that Tom Hanks is still, you know, he's not that old, and even though, you know, he's older than me, he's only about 60. So yeah. he's certainly not in the highest group at all. I mean, we know that it's going to hit people in their 70s and 80s a lot harder. I was watching uh, the Schwarzenegger on Instagram yesterday. He's at home with, like, his alpacas or something. He's feeding him in his <laughs> – he's like, everybody stay home, especially if you're over <laughs> – I'm 72 over here. No more restaurants. Just stay home. It's like even Schwarzenegger has to stay home. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you're talking about uh, about uh, Miss Trudeau, I think her name is Sophia. Sophie? Correct. Yes. Yes. So when she gets sick, and I'm not just using this as a as the Prime Minister of Canada, but for anybody, so. What is is Justin now kind of by proxy under quarantine as well, or does he stay away f- from his wife? Like, what do you do if someone close to you has it? How do you support them, and how do you protect yourself? So, when somebody close to you has it, uh, and in their case, it's a little bit different because I think she was traveling on her own and kind of came home, so they weren't necessarily together at the time, as, as best I understand. Right. But uh, we would assume that there's a high likelihood that anyone in the household in close contact with you may have it. So that unit should sort of isolate themselves from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Individually, you know, you can kind of separate, use separate bathrooms, do the best you can. But, you know, it, it's not advisable for those people to go off and, you know, for somebody to go live at their mom's house. Because we know those people in close contact likely uh, have shared it or the highest likelihood to have. So you kind of isolate as best you can, wash your hands, use separate bathrooms. For him, I mean, I know he's uh, self-isolating along there with 14 days. I'm sure they've got a big enough house where they're separated in right. there. Um you know, uh, swabbing people, we know if they're asymptomatic, we don't really know if it's reliable or not. So, you know, if you have symptoms, you know, they could swab you, but we know if you're asymptomatic that you could swab negative and it doesn't necessarily mean you can't develop it a bit later. Cause you can also have it and not show symptoms. Is that correct as well? From what I understand? Yes. 
Yes. I mean, a lot of people either don't show symptoms or symptoms are mild. And, you know, as we know in the winter, like what is a mild symptom? A lot of times you could have, you know, just a little bit, you feel tired or this and that, and you don't really attribute it to anything. Right. So you could either be asymptomatic or have such mild symptoms that, that you don't even clue in that it could be something. Um, so it doesn't mean that you have to have sort of full blown infection. In fact, a lot of the cases, as I said, 80% of people don't even get hospitalized. So mild symptoms and asymptomatic, um, people are quite common with this. You know, and there's, uh, you know, a lot of places that they say, uh, they're talking about the super spreaders that you can go to exactly. a gym and there's a super spreader, I guess somebody that has it, but is touching all of the weights and all this sort of stuff. And it kind of explain what a super spreader could be. So, yeah, we know that um, most people spread when they're sick. Um, that doesn't mean you don't spread if you're asymptomatic or not sick. In fact, there's some emerging data that those people are probably spreading more than we think they do. But in general, we think, you know, the sicker you are, the more you spread. So if you do have someone who's symptomatic, they can certainly be spreading more. A super spreader is somebody who spreads much, much more. And we don't know for sure. We like to think these are the people with the highest viral load. So the people that are the sickest and probably in the ICU. So hopefully already away. But I mean, some people could be out in the community and they're uh, one of these people where they just happen to have a higher viral load, we think. So they're more likely to spread. And yeah, for sure. The gym is a high risk environment, right? Because there's so much Mm -hmm. uh, stuff that you're touching that other people touch. And, you know, are you always wiping everything in between and making sure you don't touch your hands? Hopefully you are, but it's going to be hard in the gym, right? Sure. Of course it is. And that's another question too. I'm talking about thinking about, uh, you know, they're stopping gatherings of over 50 people and closing down restaurants and all that sort of stuff. But yet, airports and airplanes are still open right now is is there a difference there or what what makes it safe to fly is it safe to fly um thoughts on that yeah so i mean you know i think trudeau was actually just before we came on talking about um you know closing a lot of the airports and directing traffic to areas where they could screen people so um you know airports in general uh, are high risk especially you know it's basically the closer proximity you are to people and the more things you're touching that they can touch uh, that's what's going to determine risk so that's why they try and limit it to as little people 50 people if you're spread out over about one or two meters you're going to reduce your risk greatly in an airport like i saw pictures at o'hare where that simply was not going to be the case somebody sent me where everyone was packed in mm-hmm. uh so that's going to be pretty high risk i mean public transit if you're taking the the bus i mean people are trying different strategies work from home stagger work hours to reduce the flow on that but if you're in close proximity to people there is a risk it's so crazy to think about like like the whole society could shut down i mean if if you can't fly and then you know there's no buses or anything it's basically a city-wide lockdown at this point yeah i mean and obviously it depends on what city you're in so as the cases ramp up and in particular when you get to the area of community spread Right. It's spreading among people and you can't trace it like, you know, Italy there. You have to start shutting down everything uh, and basically demand that people try and stay home basically as much as they can, because at that point you want to limit spread. So, um, you know, hopefully with social distancing, if you're in an area where it hasn't spread dramatically yet, uh, by doing those things, you can prevent it from reaching the community and getting to the point where you end up in full on lockdown. And why are some communities hit so much harder? Like why Italy uh, being hit so hard to Mary, where you mentioned they're at eight percent, nine percent death rate, whereas you mentioned Korea being one percent, or here we are in the states at about two and a half to three. So we don't know exactly. We've had a lot of talks about this. I mean, I can give you some theories. So um, Italy perhaps is a little bit of an older population, and they're a little more densely packed and. They got a lot of people infected right away and uh, reports from some of the ICU doctors there, they really overwhelmed and they couldn't uh, treat everyone with ventilators. So there were people that were getting sick that they simply could not offer ICU care to. Uh, In Korea, they have a lot more ventilators per person uh, and they 
in that case can care for people more. And they were a lot more aggressive up front. If you look at Singapore as well, if you look at um, uh, Japan, they didn't get uh, the sort of high peaks. They got more flattening because they were more aggressive about shutting down things early and keeping people away from people up front and early on. Uh, whereas Italy, that happened a bit later. So we think that's probably part of the reason, but uh, we don't have definitive answers as to why Italy is so much higher how did we do in, in the United States and Canada, in your opinion, as far as uh, reacting quickly? I mean, I think we we did react. I think, you know, I would have liked it to be a bit sooner, but, uh, you know, I, I know it's difficult to do. I mean, I think, um, you know, Trump initially was a little bit apprehensive about it, but then did come out pretty strong after that. Uh, in Canada, we certainly started. We would have liked the government to have perhaps shut down schools a bit sooner and done things a little bit faster than they did. But on the whole, I mean, I, th I think they did uh, the best they could. Um, and they're hopefully continuing to do that. If in Toronto, things start to get worse and worse. We hope that they continue to shut down more and more things. Well, yeah, because now, I mean, I think schools pretty much shut down all across North America. I know I was just telling my wife this morning, small victory is that it's spring break this week. So at least that's yeah. one week of, of, of reprieve. But other than that, I mean, we're down till the 30th and they're talking about maybe even April, maybe in all the way to Mother's Day, maybe in all the way to the end of the school year. Yeah, I think Alberta may have already closed until September. So, yeah, I mean, we don't know how long the virus will last. I mean, you know, best estimates we have in case of like a best case scenario, if you look at um, China, where, you know, December 31st, and now it's starting to level off where they're getting, you know, 10 to 15 cases a day, maybe three months. Like I said, SARS went away in July. So best case, you know, we could be looking at, you know, two and a half to three months. It could go longer. We don't know for sure. Really? So the only way you can really, I guess China is, is a great barometer of that because I was listening to some people that are over there talking about how everything is now open except for, you know, larger places like cinemas and that sort of thing. But if you mentioned December 31st, I think they started their lockdown beginning of February. So that might be the whole lifespan of the disease is, is three, three months. Yeah, I mean, that's probably, the, you know, that's our best case scenario. Like, I, I'm going to caution, it could obviously go longer. But the best case is that things start to level out and, and drop off sort of as you reach, you know, the two and a half to three month mark. And, you know, I would anticipate things starting to open in a stepwise fashion. The lower risk stuff would open first. So restaurants, you know, where you're eating with people, you know, probably way less risky than a movie theater or a large gathering. So, you know, I would imagine as the caseload starts to come down, so you're looking for us to hit that peak and start coming down on the caseload. When that starts happening, um, the government and everyone will be a little bit more lax with what they uh, allow in terms of social interaction. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, that that, that uh, because like you said, like did you? I mean, it's hard for me to ask. Did you ever expect this? But I mean, this is so much worse. At least how we're handling it than than SARS or MERS. Why didn't we do this for SARS? Was the society just not built for that, or or because it wasn't as dangerous as this one? Yeah, I mean, we just weren't ready for it, I think. Um, we had a lot of, even in the hospitals, we weren't ready with the personal protective equipment, which is why a lot of staff got sick from SARS. So I think there's just, you know, with time and us having this experience, we're much more ready for it. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're trying to deal with it up front as opposed to on the back end. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Just a few more questions as we start to wind down. Uh, is, is this virus changing and, and mutating like some doctors have theorized? 
Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of theories about that. People have talked about is there two strains, one in China, one outside. We don't have a lot of evidence on that. We're going to need a bit more time to see. Uh, certainly, you know, a concern would be mutation and, and can people get it again? And we'll have to just see what happens in China. Um, you know, like I said, they did do a monkey study where they didn't see that, but take that for what it's worth. We really don't know at this point. So a monkey study would be relevant because monkeys have similar uh, body matchups to us? DNA one. Yeah, exactly, right. So they're they're a bit closer than uh, than rats are. Uh but it's not perfect. I mean, you know, uh but yeah, that's kind of the starting point for for where you can get some data. We certainly don't want to be infecting people with this and studying them. So most of the uh, that is going to be done just through the passage of time. We're going to have to just wait and see what happens to people that already had it. How is the 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 atmosphere in Toronto and in, in Canada? I imagine it's much like the US. I mean, there's there's panic, there's people that are quite scared now, there's some people that, you know, don't take it as seriously. But on the whole, I think most people are, are more scared, are, are trying to keep away. There's, you know, a certain level of um, tension, even when we're working in the hospital, when you walk around, you can tell, you know, people are, are certainly less joking around than they normally are, you know, uh, I'm a lot more serious about what's happening. So I think there is that sense that uh, this could get really bad. But, uh, you know, I think it's important that to be kind to each other, to kind of remember everyone's going through this. You know, there's nobody that's kind of immune. So uh, we can get through it if we all kind of work together and um, cooler heads prevail. I think we've kind of seen that for the most part, um, with the exception of the, of the toilet paper phenomenon. Have, yeah. you, have you guys experienced that in Canada as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't gone to Costco looking, but a lot of my friends have told me that it's it's a nightmare. And why, why toilet paper of all things, not water, <laughs> Not uh, food. It's the toilet paper. Damn it! Yeah, I know. It's it's funny. It's like uh, you know, I don't know. I guess people really want to have a clean bum or something. I mean, they, <laughs> <I> they're <think. laughs> they're hoarding. I mean, water works too, guys. Like you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that and that seems to be the. There's not a lot of substitute for food, but you yeah, know. the breakdown of society dictates uh, by the amount of toilet paper you have in your house. Yeah, so it's odd. I guess I guess people just kind of cling to what they see. They're they're going through there and they think, oh, I better get the toilet paper. Mm. You know, I don't have a great explanation for it, obviously, but you know, try and take what you need. Obviously, don't overdo it with things like that. From a doctor's standpoint, what what advice would you give people at this point in time? I think at this point, I would say, you know, pay close attention to where you live and how the spread is. If you're in an area where it's really getting bad and hopefully, you know, you're aware of that, uh, try your best to isolate and not interact with people in a sort of social setting outside as much as you can. I know it's hard. You know, there's social isolation that creeps in. There's things like that. So try your best. Try and minimize yourself in terms of high risk situations where you're really close. Try and maintain a two meter gap if you can. And most importantly is wash your hands frequently, especially after you touch something and try not to touch your face with your hands. So, you know, those are going to be the important things you can do. Uh, if you are going to stock up, you know, try and get some food items that are non-perishable. So, you know, if you are at home and you can cope without, you know, having to go out a lot, that that's important. Uh, you know, toilet paper less so, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, try and do those kind of things as, as you can. And, you know, try and not turn on each other. You know, we're all in this together. So uh, try and be kind to each other as you can. Mm -hmm. Like don't panic, right? Yeah, exactly. Don't panic. Don't you know? Try and steal stuff from the hospital. Don't don't think it's chaos. Don't don't yell at people. You know th that you see um, because you think you know they're they're uh, perhaps you know you know they're around and about and you see them and you're like oh you know why are you wearing this mask why are you doing this like understand that everybody copes with things differently uh, try and make sure that your family and friends uh, do the smart thing and and kind of self isolate when they can uh, but. Most of all, you know, the more panic we get is not going to help the situation at all. It's interesting. I always think about what are the, what are the you know, a year from now, what are going to be kind of the, uh, the changes in society that we see? Because, I mean, for example, when, when 
they had the the shoe bomb uh, on the flight. Then they started making everybody take their shoes off. I'm wondering, you know, going forward, are they going to be wanding us to the airport for our temperature? Um, I know a friend of mine was able to get out of Europe just last minute, and he, he arrived in Newark yesterday, and the CDC was there at immigration basically wanding everybody to make sure they didn't have a fever. I'm wondering if that'll be the next step in an airport. We have to kind of go through a, a temperature test. I think it might be for a while. I mean, I, I think if one thing comes out of this, uh, it would be more washing of your hands and not trying to touch your face if everyone can sort of take that going forward. Uh, if you're sick, to stay home. I think that's important. You know, we know most of the spread is by people that are sick. So in the future, you know, uh, I think we're going to move more and more to a place where it used to be this heroic mentality. You know, it's in the hospital. I'm sure it exists in wrestling where even if you're sick, you kind of tough it out and come course, in, right? Of course. And we thought, you know, as residents, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't take a day off, you know, you, you come every day and now it's not like that. It's like, if you're sick, please stay home because you're not a hero. You're just potentially exposing more people to risk. So I think, you know, these are lessons hopefully that we can carry forward well i love that that story too of like you know like you just mentioned people washing your hands more it's like well isn't that everybody was taught that from their mother like when you go to the bathroom (laughs) you wash your hands after you eat you wash your hands it's like this is not freaking rocket science people you know yeah i mean wash your hands and you know try not to touch your face with your hands these are these are things we've all been taught it's easier said than done but yeah hopefully this helps right in terms of making it more common last few things we mentioned it kind of earlier um where this kind of came from and you mentioned something about bats and like, you know, being a little bit on the conspiracy side of things, I've heard that, oh, that's, that's a, it's, it's bio, bio warfare, biological warfare started in China and it was, it's a strain created by a man or somebody, you know, pulled an Ozzy Osbourne and bit the head off a bat and that's what started it. Where did this originate as far as what you guys know from the medical community and how? Yeah, so it's thought that, that you know it's an, it's it is from bats. It's something that they had that probably ended up uh, you know into a person, and that's how it originated. We don't think it's necessarily you know man made in that sense. We have seen other ones like SARS did that as well. Was was from bats? It's thought. So it's thought that you know we don't know for sure, but it's thought that they had. Uh, sort of symptoms and it was spread to you, uh, a person. And by interacting with that, it got spread and then out to other people. You know, we know that other pets aren't necessarily vectors. We know that, you know, if you end up giving it to your dog, even if the dog swaps, there's never really been cases of the dog giving it to other people. Hmm. So for whatever reason, that seems to be how it is. I mean, you know, I'll admit I'm not a molecular uh, sort of scientist. So I think you may need some of that data to come up before they can exactly tell you what happened. But that's sort of the theory. So but if a, do- a dog can catch COVID? Well, not, not really. Like, I mean, I think I, I read some reports of people saying that they may have swabbed a dog and it was positive. To be honest, it's not something we do, but we know that they're not vectors. They don't tend to spread it to anybody else like humans. So I, I don't believe they can get it. But even if, you know, there are reports that they do, they're not known to spread it to us. And so, so, so wash your hands, uh, be kind, don't panic and don't eat any f- bats. <laughs> That's the yeah. advice that we're giving you here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. You know, uh, try and maintain distance. Try and uh, maintain at least two meters if you can, and you know, uh, try not to hoard toilet paper. <laughs> uh, last two questions for you, uh, just to get off the coronavirus. You mentioned you're a big wrestling fan. What's your your favorite match that you ever saw, and who are some of your favorite wrestlers? Uh, so I'm Canadian. So a lot of my my favorite wrestlers are Canadian, like yourself. Uh, Bret Hart uh, is probably my favorite of all time because I'm a little bit older. Uh, Edge, obviously. Um, the best matches I saw, my favorite match is probably Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania is probably my favorite match that I saw. Right. Classic, um, yeah. That's probably my favorite match uh, that I saw. I really liked you and uh, Tanahashi as well. That was probably one of my favorite matches oh, of the wow. year. That's cool to say. That's, that's my favorite match I had in, in New Japan 
uh, over the last couple of years for sure. He, he, he was he was tremendous. Yeah, and it's one of those dream matches you kind of wait to see, right? So yeah. Then did you watch uh, SmackDown on Friday with no people in the in the arena? Unfortunately, I did not. I have it taped. Um, I was on a 24-hour call at the hospital, so I'm, I'm kind of recovering. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I've heard. You know, obviously, it's hard to see. I mean, you know, but in terms of gauging the crowd reaction, it's going to be different. So I'm, I'll definitely check it out when I get a sec. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, when Wednesday we're doing it this weekend. Uh, well, I think we, she's. We might be in Daly's place in Jacksonville, which is the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and obviously the Khan family. You know, pretty much owns the the venue, so. We might be there for the next, you know, however long it takes, four, six, eight weeks. And it's going to be really weird to, to wrestle with no crowd there. You know, it's yeah, going to be a whole yeah. different different vibe for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you are. And, if, you know, I'm sure you guys are, are doing your best to take your precautions. Obviously, you know, I hope none of you guys end up getting it. But um, yeah. that's, I think, going to be, you know, I don't think we're going to have fans in the arenas for quite some time. Last question for you, and I guess it's kind of along those things. How much worse do you think it's going to get before it gets better as far as when do you think we're going to reach our peak on this, or have we even come close to it yet? No, so in North America, no. I mean, I think, you know, Italy doesn't even look like they reach their peak. So I think once they do and they start to level off, we'll have a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take a while. Like, I think the U.S. is about 500 new cases a day, and when you look at their population, it's it's going to probably continue uh, for quite some time. Um, same with Canada. Like, our caseload is going up. So I don't think we're at the peak yet. We may not be at the peak for another month or so. We're just going to have to wait and see. But I do anticipate it's going to get uh, much worse um, before it starts to get better. But when it gets starts to get better, then I think, like you said, from a medical profession, you'll know more about this virus. Uh, is it something that once you kind of get a handle on it, you could prevent more of this in the future? Or is it just the way of the world that every few years is going to be an Ebola, SARS, a MERS, an H1N1, uh, a coronavirus? Well, I hope the more we learn about it, the more that we can certainly uh, learn in terms of protecting ourselves, whether it is a vaccine or something else going forward. Unfortunately, it does seem that there are infectious diseases and, and there will be. But, uh, you know, the more experience we have with them, uh, the better equipped we're going to be to help protect against future ones. Well, Alex, it's been very interesting talking to you, man. I really appreciate this. And uh, once again, thanks for all that you and your staff are doing to help uh, contain this disease. And uh, we will do our best to... Uh, to, to, to hopefully not fill up the ICU with, with more patients in the future, for sure. Thank you so much for having me, and, and thanks a lot for everything you're doing as well to help with this. All right, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. 